as I walk with the heavenly dove. Let me go all the while with a song and a smile. Fill my way every day with love. Oh, keep me close to the side of my Savior and God. Let me never in darkness roll. Keep my path free from wrath and my soul satisfied. Fill my way every day with love. Oh, fill my way every day with love. As I walk with the heavenly dove, let me go all the while with a song and a smile. Fill my way every day with love. Soon the race will be over and I'll travel no more, but abide in my home above. Let me sing, bless the King all the way to the shore. Fill my way every day with love. Oh, fill my way every day with love as I walk with the heavenly dove. Let me go all the while with a song and a smile. Fill my way every day with love. Oh, fill my way every day with love. As I walk with the heavenly dove, let me go all the while with a song and a smile. Fill my way every day with love. Let me walk, blessed Lord, in the way thou hast gone, leading straight to the land above. Giving cheer everywhere to the sad and the long. Fill my way every day with love. Oh, fill my way every day with love. As I walk with the heavenly dove, let me go all the while with a song and a smile. Fill my way every day with love, oh God. Help us, Jesus. Fill my way with love, Jesus. Oh God, let me walk in that heavenly realm with you, oh God. Have your mercy, oh Jesus. God, I praise you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Oh, I praise you, God. I praise you. I praise you. Uh, I will say of the Lord, He's my God and my Savior. I will praise the Lord. I will thank the Lord. Uh, He's worthy, oh God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Uh, Thank you, Jesus. Uh, Praise God. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. And oh, I want to see him. I want to look upon his face. Dare to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past. Home at last, ever to rejoice, singing, oh, I want to see him, I want to look upon his face, oh, there to sing forever of his saving grace, on the streets of glory, let me lift my voice, oh, cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice as I journey through the land singing as I go I am pouring souls to Calvary to the crimson flow well many arrows pierce my soul from without within but my Lord leads me on through him I must win singing oh I want to see him. I want to look upon his face. There to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last. Ever to rejoice when in service for my Lord. Dark may be the night, but I'll cling more close to Him. He will give me light. Well, Satan's snares may vex my soul, turn my thoughts aside. But my Lord goes ahead. He leads whatever betide, singing, Oh, I want to sing. I want to look upon his face. Oh, there to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last. Ever to rejoice when in valleys low I look toward the mountain heights and behold my Savior there. He's leading in the fight. Well, with a tender hand outstretched toward the valley low. Oh, he's guiding me. I can see. As I onward go, singing, oh, I want to see him. I want to look upon his face. Oh, there to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Oh, cares all past. Ever to rejoice when before me billows rise from the mighty deep. Then my Lord directs my bark. He does safely keep. And he leads me gently on through this world below. Well, he's a real Friend to me, oh, I love him so, singing, oh, I want to see him, I want to look upon his face. 
Well, there to sing forever of this saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all pass, home at last. Ever to rejoice, hallelujah. Oh, I rejoice in the Lord. Oh, I rejoice in the God of my salvation. For He is my God. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. He is my King. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, I praise you, Jesus. Oh, God, I praise you. Oh, I worship you. Come on, let's give the Lord the highest praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, God. Oh, you're worthy, Jesus. I thank you for the blood this morning. I thank you for that crimson blood. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, I exalt you today. Oh, you're worthy, Jesus. Oh, I praise you. I give thanks, O oh God. You are worthy, O oh God. Unto thee, O oh Lord, do I lift up my soul. Oh, my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me, God. Oh, I praise you, Jesus. Oh, I praise you, Lord. I worship you. I thank you, God, for your long suffering, for your grace, for your mercy and kindness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You are truth, the way, the life. You are God and God alone. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I want to see him. Oh, I want to look upon his face. There to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all pass. Home at last, ever to rejoice. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I can't even walk Without you holding my hand, you see the mountains too high and the valleys too wide. Down on my knees, that's where I learn to stand. And I can't even walk without you holding my hand. Lord, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. You see the mountains too high. And the valleys too wide. Down on my knees, that's where I learn to stand. And I can't even walk without you holding my hand. I thought. That number one 
would surely be me. I thought I could be what I wanted to be. I thought that I could build on life's sinking sand. But I can't even walk without you holding my hand. Lord, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. You see the mountains too high. And the valleys too wide. Down on my knees, that's where I learn to stand. And I can't even walk without you holding my hand. I thought that I could be what I wanted to be. I thought I could make it all on my own. I thought of myself as a mighty big man. But I can't even walk without you holding my hand. Lord, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. You see the mountains too high. And the valleys too wide. Down on my knees, that's where I learn to stand. And I can't even walk without you holding my hand. Hallelujah. God, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. You see, the mountain is too high and the valley is too wide, oh God. Down on my knees, God, is where I learned to stand. And I can't walk without you, Jesus. Jesus, hold my hand. Lord, I need thee every hour through this pilgrim land. Protect me by thy power. Hear my feeble plea, O God. O Lord, look down on me. And when I kneel in prayer, I know you'll meet me there. Blessed Jesus, hold my hand, O God. Jesus, hold my hand. Lord, I need thee every hour, O God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I need you to hold me, Jesus. Uh, Lord, don't let me go. Don't let me go. Don't let me slip. Uh, hold me, Jesus. Uh, hallelujah. 
Oh, praise God. Praise God. Jesus, hold my hand. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, God. Hold me, Jesus. Hold me tight. Oh, God, tighter and tighter. Wrap me in your love. Wrap me in your shelter. Wrap me under your wings, oh, God. We need you, Jesus. Let your feathers be over me, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Well, as I travel through this pilgrim land, there is a friend who walks with me. Oh, he leads me safely through the sinking sand. It is the Christ of Calvary. This would be my prayer, dear Lord, each day to help me do the best I can. For I need thy light to guide me day and night. Blessed Jesus, hold my hand. Well, Jesus, hold my hand. Lord, I need thee every hour. Well, through this pilgrim land, protect me by thy saving power hear my feeble plea oh Lord look down on me when I kneel in prayer I know I meet you there blessed Jesus hold my hand well let me travel in the light divine that I may see the blessed day. Keep me that I may be holy, down and sing redemption song someday. I will be a soldier brave and true and ever firmly take a stand. As I onward go to daily meet the foe, blessed Jesus, hold my hand. Oh, Jesus, hold my hand. Lord, I need thee every hour. Oh, this pilgrim land. Protect me by thy saving power here, my feeble plea. Oh, Lord, look down on me. When I kneel in prayer, I know I meet you there. Blessed Jesus, hold my hand. Well, when I wander through the valley, dim towards the setting of the sun. Oh, lead me safely to the land of if I a crown of life have won. I have put my faith in thee, dear Lord, that I may reach the golden strands.
There's no other friend on whom I can depend. Blessed Jesus, hold my hand. Well, Jesus, hold my hand. Lord, I need thee every hour. Oh, through this pilgrim land. Protect me by thy saving power here, my feeble plea. Oh, Lord, look down on me. And when I kneel in prayer, I know I'll meet you there. Blessed Jesus, hold my hand. Oh, Jesus, hold my hand. Lord, I need thee every hour. Oh, through this pilgrim land, protect me by thy saving power. Hear my feeble plea. Oh, Lord, look down on me. And when I kneel in prayer, I know I'll meet you there. Blessed Jesus, hold my hand. Hallelujah. Hold me, Jesus. Hold me, Jesus. Hold me, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, hold my hand. Lord, I need you every hour through this pilgrim land. Protect me by your power. Hear my feeble plea, O God. Lord, look down upon us today. Look down, Jesus. Look down, God. Let wholeness flow. Let strength prevail. Let power and anointing be over us, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, God, I praise you. I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, I thank you. Oh, I thank you. Amen. You may be seated. It just goes good. It's good to have Brother Sister Derber with us again today. It's so good to see you as always. Amen. Praise God. We would like for Sister to move to come at this time. Amen. To talk to us about Save the Young Folks. <laughs> Okay, I want to talk to you about something that's really close to my heart. As you know, where I work, I, I see it all the time. So it's, it's just, this is a burden that I definitely have. But before I start talking about that, I need a volunteer um, to help me clean the church for the next two months. Oh, so the hands went down really quickly. So, but I want to talk to you about the significance of raising your hand. So if you were in the military, you know all about raising your hand. and Basically saying I do to whatever. If you are getting citizenship, is it close enough? Okay. If you are in citizenship, you raise your hand. Um, as a teacher, it's like pulling teeth sometimes to get students to raise their hand. But raising your hand is a commitment. It's a pledge to something. Basically, when you raise your hand, it's kind of hard to take it back. So I saw those hands, by the way. So, but you're probably wondering what this has to do with Save Our Children. Well, 
we need to raise our hand. I did, I did a little digging and I looked at some statistics and there is 74 million children in the United States. There's 1.6 million in Wisconsin and there's 24,000 in La Crosse County. And if you only give $20, that I, I wanted to make it where I could kind of really wrap my brain around this. So I thought, okay, what if I give $20? That's over a thousand kids for $1. It doesn't seem like it's going to go very far, does it? But in the last six years, over 6,000 kids have gotten the Holy Ghost in Save Our Children rallies. So it makes it worth it. And, you know, when we raise our hands, God's not always going to tell us what we're raising our hands about. And we just have to be submitted and willing. And, you know, what makes it worth it, think about our kids. If we were doing it for our kids, we'd probably do it pretty quickly. If we're doing it for our grandkids, we would probably do it really quickly. But think about kids we don't know anything about. You know, and that's what struck me about Wayne's testimony last week about his children. It wasn't so much the words he was saying, but the emotions that I could see in him, the passion that he had, the, 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 just the look on his face about how God was working with his children. But think of that same passion with kids we don't even know. Would we be so willing to sacrifice and, and raise our hand? You know, and we, I'm asking you, it's, it's a pledge, it's a commitment, and I'm not going to give you a piece of paper and have you write something down, but I want you to pray about it. And in your mind, I want you to raise your hand and say, I'm willing to commit, I'm willing to pledge to help the children, not only in La Crosse County, but in Wisconsin, in the States, and even around the world. Because something, I was listening to something, and it's been years ago, Sister Rodenbush was, uh, I believe her husband was over the Europe, Asia, or Europe area, and she said something in a, in a school of missions preaching. She said, if you will love the things that God loves and take care of the things that God loves, he'll take care of the things that you love. And if we're willing to put aside some of the thoughts of our kids and our grandkids and think about those children that might not have anybody else out there praying for them or thinking about them or or really trying to bring them in, I believe that God will honor that in your kids and your grandkids. So I'm really today asking you to raise your hands for the children. God, thank you. Amen. Save our children. Amen. Our children definitely need to be saved. Amen. Praise God. We never know, you know, we never know who's praying for us, you know. Uh, you know, sometimes we might get saved later in life, but we never know who's praying for us. Is You know, if you save a child, you never know the child, what that child would turn into. I was listening to the radio a few weeks ago and was talking about Billy Graham and that he went on a tour and the tour that he was on and someone day went to, I think it was Charles Spurgeon's old house and down by his bed there was knee prints where he would kneel and pray and they asked the question of the tour guide, what was, what was that? And they said, that's where Charles Spurgeon used to kneel and pray beside his bed. And all the students left, and they couldn't find one, and they got on the bus, and they went back and looked, and there was Billy Graham with his knees in Charles Spurgeon's knee prints praying. And he went on to be a great evangelist. You never know 
you know, what God will do through a child. Amen. I love children. Amen. Praise God. Jesus says we need to have a heart as a child. Amen. We we need to continue. Amen. To give to Christmas. I mean, save our children. Thank you. Christmas for Christ. Christ. Save our children. Global missions. Everything. I mean, you can't beat. Amen. That's the heartbeat of God. The whole gospel to the whole church by the whole the whole world by the whole church. Amen. Praise God. All of us. Amen. We all need the Lord. Amen. And another ways of announcements. Amen. Don't forget next Saturday is our church annual business meeting at ten o'clock. Amen. Love to have you here for that. Amen. Come and we try to be out by 11. Amen. To discuss. Amen. Then that 31st. Amen. Is our pastoral leadership change uh, between us and Brother Beckers. Amen. You want to be here for that as well. Amen. We're excited about what God is getting ready to do. It'll be 1030. Normal church service just like. But the second service will be dedicated to the transition portion. And uh, Brother Scott Jacobs, our presbyter from Section 3, will be here to uh, officiate the transition of the service. Amen. So come and let's have a great time in the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord. Aren't you excited about Jesus? Amen. Praise God. Brother Derby testified. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Well, we thank God for all of you. Praise God. Thank God that throughout my life that you showed me different things that you showed me and instilled in me a faith. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Now, were you now were you saved when you got to Okinawa, or did you get saved in Okinawa? Okay. Praise God. Huh? Right before. Praise God. But his product, his product of the Okinawa crew. <laughs> Amen. Thank God, Sister Linda. Global missions. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Our God is an awesome God. Amen. We want Brother Demuth to come this morning. As he come this morning, amen, we want him to come and take his liberty in the Lord. I really appreciate this, brother, amen. So God bless Brother DeMuth, amen. Can anything good come out of Okinawa? Absolutely. (laughs) Amen. They told the man that was the pastor when I got there, when he left Ohio, they his fellow ministers and brethren tried to discourage him from going. And they basically said, "You're that's just a burned over place. Your, your ministry will die there. I'm so thankful he couldn't listen. Because we showed up there. And you know, my wife, you can have a seat for a minute. She didn't have any desire or compunction to want to be a teacher when we met in the military. She had other plans for her life, and we got to Okinawa and got in the church, and she still didn't have any other plans or, or anything, anything like that. And, and one day, 
it had to be God, just put it in, just dropped a little thought in her heart to teach Sunday school. <clears throat> and so we went to Brother Dennis and said, you know, we'd like to do this. And God put that in her heart that day. And he, he said, yes, I'll let you do that. And from that day till now, she's had a desire and a, and a burden for young people. And that literally took her into the, the profession of teaching. She had never had any desire or compunction to do that. And so it's like she said, it's amazing if you raise your hand what God will do with that. Right? It's amazing what he'll do with that. Right? And I will take that plug for Sheaves for Christ, by the way. <laughs> I am the North, Amer- North American Missions uh, representative for the Section 4, and we have six missionaries, six North American missionaries that are applying for funds, and, and there are six churches that are going on right now in this state, brand-new churches. One of them's being pastored by Brother and Sister Thomas, who are in their late 70s. They're just starting to pastor. And so when I found that out, I said, well, I guess I can't use my age as an excuse anymore. Praise God. <laughs> if they can go to a town and start a church, they're in Stoughton. And uh, God's using them to start a church. Amen. And so just when you think God's finished with you, he ain't finished with you yet. Amen. Age is no barrier to God. If you'll just raise your hand, he'll use you. He'll use you, and I thank God for all those things this morning, the testimony. I appreciate my brother. Amen. There are great things that have come out of Okinawa. Over 50 ministers and men of God that God is using around the world came out from under that ministry there while we were there. And so, amen, God used, you know, it's amazing how God can take the military and use what we pay our good, hard-earned tax dollars to support to turn around and use that same money to support missionaries around the world and call young men and young women into the ministry and, and into God's service. You know, here you just thought you were getting orders to Okinawa. <laughs> God had other plans. Amen. He's in control of who gets orders where. Amen. What are you going to do when he gives you orders? That's right. You don't get to go back to the Department of the Army and say, yeah, but I don't want to go to wherever it is, you know, and you just have to go, you know. Praise God. Abraham didn't grumble and complain. At least it does not written that he did. When, he, when God said to leave his father and his family and pack up and pack the mules and everything and take everything with you and just start walking, I'll tell you when to stop, right? A lot of people wouldn't do that today. How many churches are in, in cities all over this country? I'm just going to use this country, much less other countries. How many cities right now don't have a church because a man would not listen to the voice of God and go and just go? And said, well, I don't, but I don't want to go to Bangor, Maine, or I don't want to go to somewhere out in, in the middle of Montana where there's 150 miles between towns. But if God called you there, he's going to equip you to go there. He's going to make a way. It might be reached to reach ten people, but he's going to send you there with a purpose. He's going to make the way. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand again. Sorry about that. If you're counting steps or whatever that is on your smartwatch, you're getting lots of up and down time today. Praise God. Amen. That's right. Praise God. Ezekiel chapter 44, verse 6 through 9. 
Ezekiel 44, verse 6 through 9. Appreciate the teaching this morning and all that's been said today. I hope you were listening to all that's been said, the testimonies and everything. I hope you were listening. Amen. Ezekiel 44, 6 through 9. And thou shalt say to the rebellious, even to the house of Israel. The house of Israel was rebellious. God's chosen people were rebellious. Thus saith the Lord God, O ye house of Israel, let it suffice you of all of your abominations. Well, he wasn't talking about somebody else, some outsiders. He was talking about his own chosen. He chose them, his people. And that ye have brought unto my sanctuary strangers, uncircumcised in heart, and offer, excuse me, and uncircumcised in flesh to be my sanctuary, to be in my sanctuary, to pollute it, even my house, when ye offer my bread, the fat and the blood, and they have broken my covenant because of all your abominations. God don't mince no words, does he? He'll let you know, and he'll make it personal. And ye have not kept the charge of mine holy things, but ye have set keepers of my charge in my sanctuary for yourselves. You've done it your own way. Thus saith the Lord God, No stranger uncircumcised in heart nor uncircumcised in flesh shall enter into my sanctuary of any stranger that is among the children of Israel. God was pretty strict about those things in the Old Testament, wasn't he? He had specific rules and and things and laws that, that... that he expected Israel to abide by. John chapter 10, verse 9. Excuse me. John chapter 10 and verse 9. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, any man, any human being, for those that think that's just males, it's not. It's anybody. He shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Father, we thank you today for your good word. We thank you for the spirit and power that's in this place. We thank you for the words that have already been spoken, the word that's been spoken. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing, what you're about to do, and what you will continue to do in our lives, God, through this service, not only through this service, but as we raise our hands to you, God, we pray that you would use us mightily for your kingdom and for your glory. And we all this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And you can be seated this morning. That was for then, but this is for now. That's a really weird title, isn't it? That's not one I made up. That was for then. This is for now. Ezekiel, before he ever became a prophet, was a priest. And and he was a priest in the midst of Israel being taken into bondage. Now think about that. They were taken into bondage, but they were allowed to continue in their worship. They were allowed to continue to do the things that God called them to do. They had just had to do it in bondage. And so in the middle of all that, God comes to Ezekiel one day and says, I need you to be a prophet. I don't know if that's how he said it, but that's what he said. He said, I need you to be a prophet. I need you to be a voice. Let's not get all, all you know, he wasn't anybody special. God can call anybody to do anything for his kingdom. He just chose Ezekiel. He was a faithful man, I'm sure. He could call you to be a prophet. He could call you to be a prophet. What is a prophet? Somebody just speaks what God tells him to say. And so God said, I need a voice. He could talk to him if he wanted to, couldn't he? But I need a voice. I need a man to go speak for me. He still does that today, doesn't he? 
Why does he do that? Because we're his body. We're his body, aren't we? The body of Christ. He's the head, we're the body. He needs to use his, his body to get his, his, his will accomplished, right? And so Ezekiel was this priest and he became this prophet. And so Ezekiel already had, if you, if you will, he already had a, a burden and he already had a, a strong feeling about the priesthood and about the things of God. And so God took that and used that to, to, to emphasize to the people of Israel their abominations and all these things that were going on. And, and Ezekiel wasn't the first one that had done this. There had been many prophets before Ezekiel. God had sent many men to speak to these people. And did they listen? Nah, for the most part, they didn't. They did for a little while. Then they'd kind of fall off, and then they'd cry out to God, and then he'd have mercy, then they'd come back to where they were supposed to be, and then, then they'd start falling off again, just like Pastor was talking this morning. Then he'd call them back. And sometimes he let them go into bondage, kind of teach them a lesson. He likes to, he'll whoop on you if you need it. Hey, I hated getting whoopings. I hated it. My dad was a hard taskmaster. <laughs> and I thought, I thought that was hard until I got in the military and boot camp. <laughs> and I wished for my dad sometimes, right? But we needed that. I needed that. I needed that discipline pounded into me so that I would do what I was asked to do when I was asked to do it, Brother Parker. Right? Duty, honor, country, and all those things, right? We need to have the same attitude about serving the Lord, don't we? And that's what God expected his people to have that, but they didn't. And so he had to create these, this thing called the Mosaic Law. What a stark contrast in these two scriptures that we read. In John 10 and 9, it says, I am the door by me if any man enter in. It wasn't the case in, in the Old Testament, was it? It wasn't just for anybody. Matter of fact, God kept a lot of people out. He had his chosen people and he expected them to follow the rules and follow the laws and nobody else was allowed in to that inner circle. Everybody else was just so sorry, you're not, if you're not an Israelite, too bad, right? And so he created this thing called the Mosaic Law that had somewhere in the neighborhood of about 613 laws and rules that they had to follow. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? A rule and law book on top of, the, of this? Can you imagine that? I mean, I, I'd, get, I'd get lost trying to follow all the rules and regulations and laws, wouldn't you? I mean, you'd have to think about every move you make, everything you say, and everything you do, and everywhere you go. Am I, am I breaking a rule? Am I breaking the law? Right? Well, that's how it was. But God had this Mosaic law instituted for a reason. Because of Israel's sin. Where did they get that? They got that from their brother Adam. Their sister Eve, didn't they? So that sin nature passed to all men, didn't it? Right? Our kids are born with that. We're born in sin. The Bible says so. We're shaping in iniquity. That's what David said. And in sin did my mother conceive me. 
but we can't help it. You don't have to teach a child to lie. Trust me, when they get old enough, they will figure out how to do it all on their own. It's we have to teach them not to lie, right? And so God had these rules and these laws. They were for Israel's good. They were for their good. And his commandments weren't hard to follow, really, if they just loved the Lord. What was one of the chief commandments that he gave them? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind, all thy strength. How hard is that? To love the God that delivered you out of Egypt. How hard is that to love the God that, that pulled you apart from everybody else and made you special? How hard could that be to love him? Apparently, that's a little bit difficult. Why? Because of flesh. Because of sin. I don't want to do it God's way. Right? <laughs> I, I don't want to do it God's way. That, have you had that happen yet? The little stomping fits? Right? I know. My kids did it too. You want to stomp? Okay, I'll fix you. We'll, we'll go stomp somewhere. Right? And so that's what Israel did. And God in his mercy and grace, he loved them anyway. And so he gave them away because he knew that they would have an issue with this sin nature. He gave them away to, to push that back every year, didn't he? Those sacrifices and those. So all they had to do was just do their best to live the best that they could for God and make sure and keep an animal ready to go because at the end of the year they were going to have to push that sin back another year. And that went on for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years all the way up even to the time when Jesus was born, right? Because if you if you think about the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they are really part of the Old Testament, right? They were written after after Jesus came on the scene, but the time that time that Jesus lived up to the day of Pentecost was all Old Testament. They were still doing the sacrifice. They were still doing all those things. And so... That tabernacle on that sanctuary in the wilderness was a, was a special place. Just like we come to this sanctuary, just, just like we, when we come together as believers and, and we, we come together where two or three are gathered together in his name, there, we have a sanctuary there. And so it was a special place for them to come together and, and God even made it so that they would camp around the, the, the tabernacle in certain places. So he had structure to what he was doing. He does that today, doesn't he? You know, this God that, that chose them, that set them apart, he wasn't an overbearing God. He didn't lord it over them. He loved them. He really, really, I mean, loved them. That, that kind of love that only God can, can give. That unconditional, unselfish love. And all he wanted was for them to love him back. That's all he wanted. And so God did all these things in, in their life. He set all these rules and, and regulations and laws up to keep them separated. And, and then he allowed things to happen in their life to get their attention. Right? Like when I used to get whooped, and many of you in this room could probably, don't raise your hand, but 
and many online. We, you know, thank God I got whooped when I was growing up. Really, I say that in all sincerity. I didn't like it then, but I thank God for it today because a lot of that made me who I am. It helped me to understand that there's boundaries and there's all these things in my life that are important that I didn't maybe think was important in my young mind, but my my father had been there. He'd, He'd been a young man. I'd been a young man. I had to teach my boys things like having a good work ethic and, and all these kind of things. And so I had to give them boundaries so at least they had the tools in the toolbox. You know, what they did with it after that was up to them. And so we get this sin nature from Adam, right? And so so God God brings everything forward to the day of Pentecost, right? We'll jump back a little bit from that. Jesus comes on the scene. And, you know, he was Isaiah 9 and 6. You know, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. All that was prophesied, that he would come. And all the religious Jews all knew that what that said. They all knew what those scriptures had said in, in Isaiah 53. And all those, they knew that. They had it in the scrolls. But when he came, they were so just steeped in their religious tradition that they couldn't, they were, you know, there's one scripture in the Bible that says even when they read the book of, I think it's the book of Isaiah, the scales are, the the, the veil is still over their face. And so all of the, in all their religious tradition, they couldn't see that this little child was the one, the child to be born and son to be given. And so all of a sudden one day, he comes out of his dad's carpenter shop and he locks the door and he goes right over to that body of water where John is and he gets baptized. And his ministry starts. And everything starts to change. And Jesus, he just, it seemed like to everybody in that day that he was just out to break every rule he could break. To the religious Jews, it just seemed like everything he did and everything he said was totally against what they believed. Totally against their tradition. And it almost seemed like he was doing it on purpose. He was. (laughs) Thank you. He was. He was, he was starting the process in their minds and people's minds that were listening. He wanted them to get the idea that Things are getting ready to change because they had been living by this old covenant. The covenant that they they lived by, in order to be a a part of that covenant, men had to be circumcised physically. And there was just, I, I could go on and on about all the rules and all the things that went along with that, but among other things, men had to be circumcised even to be a part of the covenant. And so Jesus comes on the scene as God robed in flesh. And, you know, he talks about all throughout his ministry, everything he says and does, he says, I'm not doing it. It's my father telling me to do it. I'm saying it because my father's telling me to say it. I'm doing this because this is what my father's telling me to do. God was still in control. And so Jesus came along and he said things like, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. I mean, he just said stuff. If you read the New Testament, he said stuff sometimes that just, you think he just, I think he said it on purpose, just to stir the religious people up. 
he, he really did. He was breaking the mold. And so when, when a soul comes to God out of this current world system, even especially today, when somebody comes to God, when somebody comes to the knowledge, to the understanding like I did that I, I didn't receive all revelation and wisdom and knowledge and understanding when I came to God, but I did know one thing. There was something different. There was something about this. There, there was something that I wanted. There, and God started putting a hunger in me. And there was, but there was something even more than that that I felt that drew me into this. And many, many people in that church in Okinawa made this statement. New converts that came in, they, they made this statement. They said it was the love that drew me in. It was the love. And that's what people want today. They want somebody to sincerely love them. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you, you don't even have to watch very much news at all. I mean, we're living in a really upside-down, topsy-turvy world today. When you got to put your pronouns out there on your Facebook page so everybody knows what your, per, your, 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 your preferred pronouns are and all that kind of stuff. I mean, people, the, the young people today and people today have to make choices about stuff we never even thought of in our generations, right? And they are just, they're just, there is such a spirit of hate and just, and division in the world today. People feel so divided and beat down that they could just find somebody to love them. And if you go back to Jesus' day, it was probably just as bad then. Because if you had any kind of malady or if you were, if there was something wrong with you, you were outside of it. It didn't matter if you were Jew or not. And where did Jesus go with his ministry? This is another thing he did. He went to every, every blind person, every lame person. He went to the woman at the well. He, he allowed that woman, he, he allowed that woman with, that was caught in the act of adultery to be brought to him. And what did he do? At the end of the day, what did he say? Where are thine accusers? Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. What did he do? He loved her. He loved her with the only kind of love that you can really love a soul with. Is that agape love? Right? We live in a, in a world that's broken and fatherless. Literally. My wife was talking about the kids. There's, I mean, I have to, I'm kind of that ear that bends to hear what she has to say sometimes and I don't respond back, but there's a lot of kids out there that just, the reason there is such a mess is they don't get a dad at home. They don't have a father. They don't have any kind of guidance. They don't have any kind of boundaries. They don't have any kind of structure in their life. And maybe the parents they do have are on drugs. Who's loving those kids? Nobody. I'll tell you who will love them. It won't be the kind of love that you and I think of, but the gangs will love them. They'll show them, they'll show them some attention. And that's how they'll end up in jail. That's how they'll end up in prison. And so those are the kind of people that Jesus went after. He didn't just sit in the, in the sanctuary. He didn't just sit in the, in the synagogue. He went out among the people. He went out among and touched the lepers. And, you know, they considered Jesus a rabbi. They called him that. 
And you're, when you're a rabbi, when you're a priest, you're supposed to be clean all the time. Right? That's why all those guys passed by on the other side when that, when that story about the Samaritan, when he helped that guy that got beaten up and robbed on the side of the road. What was it that drove that Samaritan to do that? In that story, it was the love, the compassion that he had that was beyond himself. What, how much money he had to spend didn't matter. What it cost him in, in taking time out of his journey didn't matter. Matthew 23, 1 through 4 says, Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever ye bid, they bid ye observe, that observe and do. But do ye, but do not ye after their works. For they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens. What are those heavy burdens that they bind? What is that? Talking about the ceremonial observances and human traditions of the Judaism, of, of the Mosaic law, and, the, and they added a lot of stuff when they, when they got involved in Judaism. And that's what this scripture's talking about. They, they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be born. And lay them on other men's shoulders. Who? What other men? The other believers. But they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. This is, that's for you, but not for us. Right? We have that going on today, right? Laws for thee, but not for me. Right? Luke 5, verse 30 says, But the scribes and the Pharisees murmured against the disciples, saying, Why do ye eat and drink with publicans and sinners? Who were they following? Those, the disciples. Who were they following? Jesus. What was he doing? He went everywhere eating with the, the, the sinners. Right? He told Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house today. He, he, and he, you know, he went. He went to the scribes and the Pharisees. He tried to talk to them and the Sadducees. He, he loved them too. Because if he didn't, he wouldn't even have bothered to go to them. But he, he loved them enough to go in there and to get up in their face and say, hey, you bunch of whited sepulchers. Right? Right? Threefold child of the devil and all that stuff he said to them. He wasn't just being cruel and mean. He was just saying what he, he was trying to get their attention, Brother Parker, and say, hey, don't you understand who I am? Not like, look at me, look who I am, but you know what I'm saying? He, he was trying to reach for them and love them, and we're going to do that today, and people are going to turn him away. You know, and Jesus answering said unto them, they that are whole need not a physician. They that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Wow. He, Jesus not only spoke these things, but he lived them. He didn't just say things. He lived it. He, he lived it. He, he taught by example. It wasn't just happenstance that he ended up in the temple when the man with the withered hand came along. And it was the Sabbath day. That was all planned. He was trying to break their traditions. And then what did he say to them? Hey, 
Any of you have a, an animal that falls in the ditch on the Sabbath day, aren't you going to go get it out of the ditch? <laughs> and he already knew what their answer was going to be. It was, just, it was, you know, rhetorical question to them. Well, then, what, this is God's creation. We're made in his image and in his likeness. Whether it's people in this building or people out there that are just waking up from a drunk, they are made in God's image. The one that's hooked on crack, the one that's hooked on meth. They're made in his image. They're his creatures. They need Jesus. It's not our job to judge. (laughs) There is one righteous judge, isn't there? And he will judge at the last day. What is our job? Didn't he give us a commission? (laughs) When an officer raises their hand and takes on a commission in the military, they take an oath, just like the, 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 the enlisted guys, to preserve and to protect and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and all of that. And that's an awesome oath to take. And I took it seriously when I took it. But how much more awesome and how much more important is the oath that we take when we take an oath to serve God? I'm sorry, I don't know if you knew this or not, but when you came to the altar and received the Holy Ghost, (laughs) when you got baptized in Jesus' name, you took an oath. You did. You did. Because in your heart of hearts, you said something like this. God, whatever you got to do to fill me with the Holy Ghost, whatever it takes, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Some of us or all of us, most of us said something to that effect. And how many of us have kind of reneged on that? Kind of like Israel. Right? Oh, yeah, we'll serve you, God. We'll love you forever. Right? They waited till Moses got up to the top of the mountain, right? They went there and said, hey, <laughs> make us a cow. Right? We don't worship other things, do we? No. We don't worship our vehicles or our house or our clothing or any of that, do we? Do we? If you do, that's between you and God. you got to work that out. He showed his disciples. What did Paul say? Follow me as I follow Christ. He really didn't know Jesus Christ, so how was he following him? Because Jesus left a trail of examples, one after the other, that nobody, that people, everybody talked about him. That's how it got around, word of mouth. And so just like Paul and Peter, you know, God used both of those men to reach the Gentiles. Thank God for that, right? Anybody in here a former Gentile? Because you're not a Gentile if you've been filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. You know that, right? What are you? A spiritual Jew, Right? We are Jews who are spiritual, right? That's what the book says, right? It's in the book, right? If I'm not in the book, straighten me out. I know you will. <laughs> Here. You ain't gonna... got to stay in the book. So God had to deal with Paul, and he had to deal with Peter, 
before he could ever reach the Gentiles through those two men. Why? Well, Paul, he had to knock him down and blind him for three days because Paul was a devout Jew. He was a devout Pharisee. I'm not going to define the word devout to you. Just figure it out. But he was ate up with it. Let's put it that way in, in common terms. Right? He was so ate up with it that he was going around taking these Christians and dragging them out of their homes and dragging them to prison and killing them. Because he was so sure that this, these bunch of Jesus followers were a bunch of wackos. But God had a way of getting a hold of him, didn't he? And you know, we're, we're all so unique that God didn't use that same method to get a hold of Peter, did he? Because Peter was a devout Jew too. So, you know, Peter's just up on the roof, chilling in his recliner before dinner. He was. He was up on the roof waiting for dinner. Isn't that what the book says? And while he was up there, kicked back in the recliner, he fell into a trance. And God gave him that little dream, and he said, hey, here, Here's a sheet full of pigs, all these unclean animals. He said, Peter, kill and eat. Oh, no, Lord. You know I'm a devout Jew. I can't, I'm not going to touch with that which is unclean. The Lord did that three times. And what did he, what was the point of that? He was breaking down, just like they do in boot camp in the military. They have to break you down first before they can put into you what they need to be in your mind and in your spirit, right? And so he had to break Peter down and say, hey, what I call clean, don't you call unclean or filthy. And just as soon as that happened, as soon as that was over, hey, there's some guys at the door for you, Peter. And right right as all that's happening, God said, hey, there's going to be some guys at the door in a minute. Whatever they say, believe it. Whatever they tell you, go with them. And why was, why was, what was the point of all that? Because God was fixing to send Peter into the house of a Gentile named Cornelius. And it wasn't just Cornelius at the end of the day. But Cornelius was so excited because he had this dream and he knew Peter would come. He trusted God. He was a devout Gentile. He trusted God. He gave alms. And it, all of that he did for God and for the kingdom went up to God as a memorial unto him. And God said, i got to do something about that. And so he sent somebody. Everybody raise your hand. No, don't take them down. <laughs> send me, God. Make me, make me, send me like you did Peter. And what did Peter have to deal with when he got there? Not just Cornelius, not just Cornelius and his wife. And if you look at, if you go look back in history, these kind of guys like Cornelius, they had a, their courtyard, just their courtyard was as big as this piece of property right here. That's not counting the house. And then they had a house for the servants. So the Bible said that he had a multi, he had a bunch of people there. He filled it up. He went and told everybody he could tell. This guy's coming to talk to me. He told him all about his testimony, his dream and everything. And before Peter could even get done preaching, 
He wasn't even done. It's like, wait a minute, I haven't gotten to page six of my notes yet. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. How many remembers the the missionary video that we watched about Brother McFarland? About the Filipino guy in, in Ireland. Was it Ireland? Is that right? Filipino guy in Ireland was a master black belt guy or whatever, and, and he had this beautiful home, and he had all these people that, and they were all hungry and searching for God. Were you all here? Did you all see that? This this recently happened. And so Brother McFarland meets this guy somehow, right, somehow. <laughs> God knows what he's doing. And so this guy says, I want you to come to my house and teach me about, about the Bible. So Brother McFarland takes his, his Bible study chart, and he goes there and flips, hangs it over the guy's TV in the middle of his living room. Well, he turns around, and there's like 70 people in this guy's house. And long story short, there's a church in that part of Ireland because of that Filipino guy. He was a Cornelius. And all, all Brother McFarland, he's nobody special. Yeah, yeah, he's a missionary. Yeah, we, we honor and recognize him, but he's nobody no more special than anybody in this room. He just made himself a vessel available, just like James did, Peter did. How many Corneliuses are out there? How many? All of those laws and all those rules and all those things that that Israel had to follow, God, Jesus did away with all of that. Not only did he do away with it, he actually said that he came to fulfill the law. How did he do that? He went to the cross. He became that sacrifice for sin. So we didn't have to do any of that stuff anymore. But, you know, the thing is, we still got to serve him. We still got to love him. He's still going to whoop on us when we're not living the way we're supposed to. We still got to listen for his still small voice. We got to make ourselves available. What did Jesus tell his disciples? He said, if you didn't, he asked him, he told him this, you got to deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. That's what Paul did. Paul's life was not his own. Once he, once he was launched into his ministry, Paul's life was not his own anymore. He did not get to have a say about anything. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine God just saying, I want you to pack up and move to Alaska? We got a guy up there that's in his 80s, preaching. Doing the work of God in Alaska. Age doesn't matter. All God's looking for is a willing heart, a willing mind. But we're right here in La Crosse and on Alaska and West Salem and Sparta and all these little, these little bergs and towns all around here. And there's people like Cornelius that are out there right now. Devout, hungry, starving people looking for somebody to love them. With the love of God. And that's who we are. That's what we're here for. What did he tell them in that great commission, Sister Linda? Go ye therefore. Go. We don't have to go past the word go. Go. What did Jesus do? He didn't sit around and wait for them to come to him. He went. He spent his ministry out there. He, The Bible said he had nowhere to lay his head. 
He couldn't say, um, I think I'll go back to the apartment and take a nap. He didn't say that. He couldn't say that. He had nowhere to go because he was too busy about his father's business to take a, take time out to have a place or go to sleep. Amen? And if Jesus Christ can say, and I'm done today, if he can stand, if he can kneel down at that place, that rock, wherever it was he was kneeling when he prayed that prayer, nevertheless, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. What is it that God wants you to do today? Let's all stand. What is it that God's been dealing with you about? What is it that God's been calling you to? And you heard him. You just kind of, I don't want to say it this way, but you kind of been ignoring him. Because you, you're busy about your own business. And I'm not saying that I know, because I don't. If God's called anybody anything in this room, all I know about is me. And I gotta, I gotta, I gotta go to my God and I gotta find out what it is He wants me to do. Where it is He wants me to move. What, where, what house He wants me to live in. What He wants me to say. And each one of us have that same expectancy from God. Amen. Father, I love you and I praise you and I thank you for your people. I thank you for the, those that have heard the sound of my voice today, Lord, I've tried to speak what you gave me to say, Father, and nothing more, Lord. And I thank you, Father, for the things that you have begun to spoken, speak in people's hearts today, Lord. I don't know what your each individual situation in life, Lord, but you do. And you know you've been speaking to their heart, Father. And I just pray, Father, that you would allow them to have a heart to listen. Lord, that to receive what's been said today and to take it upon themselves, O oh God, to begin to consider these things and to go to you, Father, and to find a place, O oh God, where they can begin to search out and seek out what exactly it is that your will is for their life, Father. And I thank you, Father, for every voice, O oh God, that's spoken into my life, O oh God, and the voices that I've heard and I've heeded. Father, I thank you, Lord, for those voices. I thank you for those that have prayed. I thank you for those that have fasted for my behalf, O oh God, that I might stay true and faithful to your word and to your plan, your purpose and your will in my life, Father. And I thank you for this opportunity to be among your people today. If you feel like you want to come to this altar and pray, I want to give you an opportunity right now. Amen. If you feel like you need to, to do some rededicating or some searching, O oh God, of the things that God would have you to do today. And if not, I pray that as you go from this place today, that you would take the words that you've heard and and just begin to, to mull it over in your mind, begin to talk to the Lord and ask him those questions. What would thou have me to do? Those men in the Bible we read about, they were not special men. They, they were the only way that they were special is that they were just submitted to God's will. Father, let me submit to your will. Let me be used. We are living, folks, I'm telling you, we're living in the last days. Amen. The Bible says that we this we are the generation upon whom the ends of the world have come. And you know that Jesus told a a, um, a story about the, the man that, that needed the laborers to go into the field. Right? Because the the harvest was great. And he needed all the laborers he could get. Either the ones that were hired in the first hour or the last hour. We're in the last hour. He needs some last hour laborers. You know, we're commanded to pray. 
for laborers to go into the harvest. Did you know that? Jesus said it. Pray ye, pray ye, therefore. That doesn't, that's not a request. If you study that out, it's a command. Pray ye, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. His harvest. But we need to pray that he'll send forth laborers and we need to be prepared that when we pray that prayer, that could be us. We need to desire that it would be us. What do you want me to do, God? That's what those those men that laid their lives down for the gospel, they said nothing else matters. All the suffering and the pain I got to go through, all the stuff that I'd missed out on that I didn't get to, I didn't get to own a house, I didn't get to any of these things. They said none of that else matters. Paul said he counted it as dung for the excellency that is in Christ Jesus. Oh, that we could have that kind of a heart and a desire to serve him today. Father, we love you today. I thank you for your people. I thank you for every ear that's been here today, here and online. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the things that you've spoken, Father, that your word would not return unto you, boy, but it would go forth and do that which you intended for it to do. And, Father, I pray you're covering over this group of people in this room and those online as we go from this place. You would go with us, Father. Minister to us today. Don't let this word be taken out of our hearts as we leave this building, Lord, but keep it strong and mighty in our hearts today. Let it not, let it not fail to just, to get into our spirit and our heart every, every moment of every day, Father. Talk to us and lead us and guide us and direct us and order our steps, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. You're dismissed. In the name of the Lord.